This week's episode of Spill the Greens is powered by Moochie Farms Prova Premium on the Vine Tomatoes, a very fitting product promo today because we grow them year-round under lights, which will be the topic of today's show. Even though Prova tomatoes are smaller than traditional tomatoes, they are full of taste. Their rich red color and superior flavor will elevate your meals, and they are a top choice for gourmands. I like that word, gourmands and foodies alike. And that brings us to the setup for today's show, in which we cover a very interesting topic, especially for this time of year. The formal name we use here at Moochie Farms is Lit Culture, but it's commonly referred to as grow lights or supplemental lighting. We invest a ton into innovative technology that helps us automate a lot of processes to increase our efficiencies and food safety and sustainability. But our largest investment for tech is certainly in the grow lights, and that helps us grow product year round. So today's episode features two of our owners, Bert and Danny Moochie, who will take us through the technical aspects of grow lights in terms of what they are and how they work, the community impact related to the farms lighting up the skies, and how we are making efforts to get it to a manageable level, and of course, what the lights mean for retailers and consumers through our winter program. An interesting and informative episode on deck to say the least. Spill the greens, it's episode eight, now. Spill the greens, powered by Muji Farms. Okay, I've been looking forward to this one for a while, mostly because we get to tackle a major topic in our industry and certainly a very interesting one that has dramatically changed greenhouse fruit and vegetable production. It's also November, which makes it a perfect time to talk about lit culture or grow lights, whatever you prefer to call them. Today, I'm very fortunate to have Bert and Danny Mucci with us to share their knowledge. Even though they're owners and founders of the company and their roles are very high level today, they are farmers first and have much more expertise in the day-to-day ground level work that most CEOs and presidents of similar sized companies wouldn't have. Like if you've seen the show Undercover Boss, you'll notice that most CEOs and company leaders, when they go into work at the ground level for a week or two, they don't have a clue at what actually happens uh, in the day-to-day reality of the jobs. Uh, But that's not the case here today because both of these gentlemen have pretty much done every major job in the farms and warehouses. And today they're going to help us understand exactly what grow lights are, how they work, and most importantly, all the benefits to consumers, retailers, and our community. So we're also hoping to address many common questions about the lights and bring some clarity to things you might not know much about. And with that, welcome back to Spill the Greens, guys. Thank you for making the time uh, for me and our audience today. Thank you, and good morning, Ajit. Good morning. Okay, so neither of you need a major introduction, and if everybody, if anybody wants to know who you are, they can go listen to earlier episodes of the show where you guys get into detail about how you grew up, but I think we should jump right into it, and I want to start with some technical questions. So let's begin with, what is lit culture, and what exactly are grow lights? Either one of you free to answer. Lit culture is basically taking, uh, we, we take just a conventional greenhouse and add light fixtures, H- HPS or LED fixtures to just to enhance growing in the dark days of the winter months. And how long have grow lights been used in the greenhouse industry for fruits and vegetables? Um, in this area, it's been about four to five years that we've been in uh, lit culture. In the Netherlands, they've been doing it for the last, I would say, 10 to 15 years. Okay, wow. So when was the first time that either of you saw grow lights? Uh, I've seen HPS, which is high-pressure sodium lights, in the Netherlands at least 10 years ago. Danny? Yeah, um, for production, uh, probably 10, 15 years. I mean, it goes way back, but they've also used lit production for propagation. So we've seen it 
in the early years, in the 80s, where they were using HPS lighting for, for, plant, propagation. for plant propagation. So it's not something new. It's yeah. always been there. We always had to have supplement lighting. It's just it wasn't, it wasn't economical in our area. Is that what the delay was? Like when you saw the lights at first, did you say to yourself, hey, we got to get these right away? And if you couldn't, was, there a, was that the barrier? Was it economic? Yeah, I, th- I think the barrier to, to get into lit culture, first, first of all, is cost. I mean, the cost of the lights and electricity prices plays a very big role in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and not only that, you needed the proper structure in order to facilitate the light fixture. You couldn't put it into a poly house. You can, but it's not, it's not the right way to do it. So. Do, you need the, do you need the 40-foot ceiling? Does that help? Yeah, I mean, the, the higher greenhouses does help. There, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of heat that comes off an HPS light versus the LED like the new LED lights uh, do throw off less heat uh, they you know they're more more efficient but I think that there's still a way to go to uh, learning to grow with LEDs. I think that's actually leads into my my next question, which was what's the difference? So we've got HPS or high pressure sodium lighting. We also have LED. So what is the main difference between the two? High pressure sodium is just a, uh, it's basically a big light bulb and LEDs are, uh, they're light emitting diodes of, um, that, which is different from an HPS and it does, it doesn't throw off the heat that, that the HPS light has, but there is, it's still, I, I, I say it's still in the earlier years. We are trialing it. We, we still need to learn how to grow with it. We, I think the LED companies still need to prove to us that mm-hmm. the fixtures are the high quality that they say they are. For everyday people that might not be aware, so when you see the really, really bright yellow lights, that's HPS. And if you see purple light, that's LED. There's a few pros and cons of both. Um, with the HPS lighting, you're using less electrical power than an LED light. But the offset is an LED light for the fixture is more expensive than an HPS light. So there's a few offsets. And then another component is the amount of production you get out of an HPS light versus an LED light. You're probably going to get more out of an HPS from what we see today. I mean, if there's new and improved LED lighting, for sure. We're always trialing things with uh, with new fixtures. So right now, what do we have under lights? Um, as far as acreage? Uh, not, well, we can do acreage, but commodities and acreage, I Commo- suppose. I mean, basically our, our cucumber production, mini cucumber production, tomato production, we have um, under high pressure sodium lights. And then we have our lettuce range, which is under LEDs. And then right now we're also trialing bell peppers. Is that correct? Under yes, lights? we are. And what I wanted to know was bell peppers typically have not been grown under lights in our area. So what have been the main barriers? Why have people not been growing bell peppers? What are the challenges? I, I believe that uh, the high pressure sodium that throws off the amount of heat that it throws off is um, harder to grow a pepper than it is a cucumber and tomato, and we will we'll see this this season. Like we are using LEDs with the uh, pepper plants, and and I think the the amount of the extra yield coming off from what I've seen in test greenhouses in in the Netherlands, it's not as significant as it is in cucumber and tomato production. And so is there a, is it a one size fits all, or do you have to have certain settings in place for different commodities? Like what's the difference between say how you would use lights to grow cucumbers versus tomatoes versus, well, lettuce is LED, so it's separate altogether. But if you're growing cucumbers or tomatoes, do you have to manipulate 
um, how you use the lights differently for different not, crops? Not, not really. I mean, we, we typically light uh, starting the first week of October till the end of March, mid-April, depending on what the spring is like. Um, we, we use a, the, uh, the same amount of light. There's 220 micromoles per square meter, and we're lighting 16 hours a day. And so to be clear, when I was reading, it's supplemental lighting. So yes. it's not just replacing the sun. It's, it's supplemental, just, yes. So it's just adding adding more light. Correct. And somebody asked me earlier today, why don't we use, like in the wintertime when we're in lit culture at nighttime, we run lights all night long. Why don't the crops need light at night in the summertime when you're not, like why don't we need it at nighttime? For the summer months, we're getting long days. So we're getting enough light throughout the day for that crop. Right. A crop can only take in so much light. You can't put light on a crop for 24 hours. Got it. So with our long summer days, we're able to get enough. So it's about how many total hours of light they get in a 24-hour period rather than what time of day they get the light. Right. Right. So typically, I mean, the winter months, 5, 36 o'clock is dark. Plants go to sleep till midnight and then... Start up. Yeah. Plants, plants always need a rest period. You can't have them generative all the time. Mm -hmm. You have to give them some rest. So lots of indoor farms and vertical farms in particular have been using grow lights. Um, What's the difference between the way we use lights versus the way they would use lights and what would be the pros and cons? Um, Indoor grown. It's the same light. It's the same hours of, but more light. Like they'll, an indoor grown obviously doesn't have, natural sunlight. Mm-hmm. So, so that must be much heavier on power. Yes, definitely. So they, 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 they may go up to 300 to 400 micromoles per square meter. And Bert, would they go longer days? Yes, they could. 16 to 18 hours. Wow. Okay. I want to shift over to like, now that we got the technical stuff out, like I want to shift over to sort of uh, the community conversation. Cause obviously it's a hot topic this time of year, every single year, especially people who live in the Leamington Kingsville area. I know we had some uh, uh, similar situations in Huron as well. And people always ask about, Hey, what's up with you guys lighting up the skies? Like there's this massive glow in the region. So many greenhouses, they have shade curtains around the sides, but not at the top. And the top is generally where that light's coming from. So can, can you speak to why we can't cover for the building entirely? Um, well, within the Moochie group, we, we have covered the building entirely. Like our, our walls are all blackout curtain and we also have the roof. We can't close it entirely. We, ha- we need to have a minimum of a, a 10, 15% gap just to let out. I mean, you have plants in there that are growing, transpiring. There's humidity. Um, there's heat from the lamps, of course. So we need we need to have that vent to, or that gap there to vent. So it's just to release the release some air, just to right, vent right. and cool things down a little bit. Yeah, and, and just for a visual, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Bert, but on a 40 acre complex with 10 percent opening of a light would be similar to a dealership, a car dealership with their lighting in a parking lot. Got it. So or like a sports stadium. Or a sports stadium, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So we've done tests in our Ohio plant. Well, we've done tests. We hired an engineer to do um, um, light pollution tests. They spent a week there and had a 10% gap. Um, they, they couldn't force us to close any more than a 10% because it's this, the equivalent of what a, like Danny said, a, a baseball diamond or a car dealership or the city. 
So how do you think how do you think our local area should deal with or how they should approach lights when balancing farming needs with concerns of the community? Like what direction should everybody generally go in your opinion? I mean, listen, there's no uh, hiding it. Like we, we have a problem here in the community. There, there's a, a lot of greenhouses in the last, I would say, two years that have gone to lights. And maybe it was, I, I, I say this, maybe the municipality or the township didn't jump on this quick enough, like as they did in Ohio, and, uh, and reinforce the uh, bylaw. Okay, so it's obvious that being able to produce uh, locally year-round is a really big advantage for us, especially especially in a cold climate, right? Because here we only have a handful of summer months. Uh, for field farmers, they've got maybe three months. As greenhouse growers, we have eight or nine months. And then with the lights, we can go 12. So other than being able to grow year-round, what other, what other advantages do the lights have, like in terms of, say, growing? Um, the advantages we have are we, we get a much better quality uh, we we truly control the greenhouse environment. It's not uh, it's not eighty degrees outside where you have to vent and uh, and it, you, we are controlling that environment in there. The, the taste is taste is a lot easier to um, adjust, and obviously there's a there's a twenty five percent increase in yield. So within that same square meter in the greenhouse with the supplemental lights, we are. I, typically 20 to 25% more in, in production. Yeah. And, and aside from just the crop impact that the lights have, I mean, there's a, um, socially within the community, we're keeping people employed for 12 months right. rather than shutting it down in the winter, cleaning up, and then you're empty for a certain period of time. These people are working 12 months. Uh, you have packing crews, you have, um, you know, people tending to the crops where we wouldn't need these people in right, the crops. Right. And not only that, it, it goes to QA people, it goes to packing people, it goes to uh, commodity management. I mean, everything within the whole cycle of the production of a farm is 365 days now, right. rather than a 36-week production period. And then the spinoff jobs, too, through the supply chain, because if we're shipping, then a bunch of a bunch of other jobs along that chain are going right. to stay 365. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Electrical people that are in the industry. I mean, we're going to need people on staff all the time. And not, maybe not on staff, but on call. Uh, mechanical people, it doesn't matter who it is that uh, tends to the industry. I mean, they're always going to be needed at a time frame because throughout the winter months, we kind of really didn't need them. Well, now now we need them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot more work for sure. I mean, it's uh, you, you got to think lights start up at midnight. So when... Typically, when you're sleeping, you got to have a, a junior grower or two growers because the, that plant is is growing through the night. So it needs CO2, it needs fertilized, irrigation, everything. Yeah. So essentially, you got a grower during the day, a grower during at the night. night. You got a maintenance guy during the <laughs> wow. day, a maintenance guy at night. So it's, it's overlapping, but at the end of the day, you need it because yeah. you are growing 24 hours. And like you said earlier, it creates more work. It's There's more jobs. And, and I mean, the biggest advantage is we keep local produce on our shelves. We're not importing right. from Mexico or, or Spain or wherever. That's the probably primary reason why we want local production is to have it locally in the stores. If you look at, you know, uh, winter production under lights compared to anything that you see from Mexico, that product is eight days in transit right. by the time it hits a store shelf. Well, we're harvesting, packaging, going to retail within two days the latest might be three days and it's on the shelf. So you can see the difference in the stores 
with lit production versus foreign production imports. Yeah. I feel like it's far more consistent in the winter as well with lit culture. Like the product seems a lot more consistent. Is that because the environment is a lot more uniform in the winter? Right. Right. We, like I said earlier, we control that, that, um, the amount of light that is in there every single day. So we basically, um, even for projections on our, on our end for our sales is, is very easy to project versus the summertime when you have, you know, you get days that it's 90 degrees and you flush and then there's nothing. The Much more week. fluctuation yes. in the summertime and you can't control that. Right. Yeah, we can keep it constant. You know, if we want 19 degree temperature in the greenhouse or 20 degree, we can maintain a 20 degree temperature rather than like Bert said, it goes the to 30 lows, during yeah. the day and then, you know, 28 during the night. Right. Throughout the summer months. So is there a difference on flavor? Because you can probably harvest at a later stage because proximity to market is closer, right? Because then if you have to harvest, say, I know we talk about this with strawberries, where if we're importing from, say, California or Florida, they have to pick them green because of travel right. time any, and that impacts the sugars in the product. Any product that you allow to ripen on the plant is more flavorful, no matter what. And then you talked about supply and yield. Is there a difference with supply or yield uh, in the winter versus the summer? The, the only thing is, I mean, I wouldn't say there's more production in the winter. There's more production without lights, but you're still producing more in the summer. Obviously, with natural sunlight, you're going to get more production. The thing is, with lights in the winter, you will get more production for the 12-month period. And like Bert said, it's about 20 to 25% more right. on a tomato crop. It might be 50% on cucumbers. 50% on the cucumber. The, the, one, the one major thing is the characteristics and the quality of the fruit. If you notice in the wintertime, for an example, mini cucumbers, they're going to be darker green, nice color, very ribby coming out of a lit culture house versus a mini cucumber when it's 90 degrees outside mm -hmm. in the summer. They look a little bit more pale. They're not full as of water. They're yep. full of water. So the winter production is always better quality than summer, summer production. production. Got it. Is there anything you can speak to in terms of sustainability as a result of lit culture and how it may create a more sustainable environment for us? Well, like I said earlier, we are producing in the same greenhouse, 25% more production with, with, with the same area. So, And then I guess we get a bunch of trucks off the road as well because right. it's shorter distances. We're reducing food miles right. dramatically. And that, that's the major thing. We're re reducing the food miles of our product that's at our, in our local stores. Yeah. And then your shrink comes down too because we're able to... It's less food miles, which also will impact shelf life, which mm -hmm. a shrink. Take us through our company, um, like the outlook for the company when it comes to lit culture. Take us through some of our uh, expansion plans and what we're looking to do. I know we put a lot of information out in the media lately. Um, what are our plans for lit culture? What's our, what are our end goals for lit culture? Are we looking to get to 100% someday? I, we still need some conventional greenhouses to without lights because we, we 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 still want to produce through the summer months like september through um or sorry from uh, july to september um i i would say going forward the glass houses that we we're building today will be lit we will be doing a bigger trial with uh peppers peppers is the biggest unknown right now mm -hmm. i mean it's still in the trial stage but um i i, I believe that in the area it could be that half the acreage is lit and half non-lit and that'll keep us on the shelves on the local shelves like 20 i mean 12 months out of the year what do we want our current or potential partners to know about our winter program and how 
uh, and how it benefits them. So um, for the winter production, I mean, we're not relying primarily on offshore production. And that's one of the primary things where we can have more of a consistent supply for them. So with us to build programs, if they're looking for 10,000 cases a week, we program for 10,000 cases a week. Like I like mentioned, it's the production cycle throughout the weeks is very even every right. week. So it's a lot easier for us to forecast. Um, but uh, not only that, I, the, the production and quality of the fruit is much better. So when they're having, you know, five to 10% shrink on store shelf, on store shelves, we're close to 0% shrink. The sell through at the store level is much better. And is it, it's, it's much better because the production's holding up better or the quality of the fruits holding up better. But not only that, the appearance on the shelves is much better. So when you're walking through the store and you see a beautiful right. cluster of tomatoes, you're more prone to buy that cluster rather than a cluster of tomatoes that the tomatoes have fallen off uh, from production that's from abroad. Right. Uh, so just the appearance and the aesthetics sells the fruit. And a lot itself. of people shop with their eyes. Everybody shops with their eyes. Yeah. Where do you guys see uh, lit culture going? Like in the future, do you see any other advancements happening to it? And what areas do you think they can work on that would make life easier for growers? The lit cult, like the LED, we, we, we speak about the LED. I, I think that is the future. It, I, I, I truly believe we're not there yet. We're, we trial it, but there's still a lot to learn with LEDs. Have you seen anything being worked on? Like, I know you guys go to Holland quite a bit to look at the latest developments in the industry. Have you seen anything there that you're like, hey, once they get this thing going, we're going to be, it's going to be groundbreaking. It's really going to change the game a bit. Yeah, we've, we've, we've trialed some of those things. Like for an example, we have uh, in our TOV range or cluster range tomatoes, we have HPS lighting on the it's a hybrid light yeah on the on the roof yep. or on the ceiling and then and, inner lighting and then we have inner lighting in between which is led so we've got a combination of hps and led in one crop we're still trialing it we're still seeing if there's benefits of it we don't know if the i mean it takes it takes quite some time before a grower finally figures out his craft of growing and once we figure that out we'll figure out if it's much better for us so things like that that we're always trialing but we're always on the forefront of trying new things and uh, that's one of them that we've trialed but um, is there anything behind that we don't know yet are there any items other than bell peppers that we're looking at doing um, under lights that we want to share with that we want to share with anybody we are trialing uh, strawberries under lights we've yeah, trialed we have strawberries strawberries under we have some blackberries under lights um, of course we have the lettuce under lights and um Basically anything, anything you need to grow through the winter needs supplemental lighting. There's not enough light. That's all for me. Is there anything else you guys want to add? No, we're just, uh, we're just happy to be growing throughout the winter months because yeah. it's, it's, you know, it was always our period of chaos with trucks coming in from Mexico or Spain or airports. It's kind of nice when you have the production in your backyard, you know, in November through till March, you can get, you know, full supply with customers throughout the Christmas holidays, the biggest, you know, yeah. months of the year, right? Being able to get the same tomato in, you know, December and July is, is right. quite incredible. Or being able to have strawberries at Christmas or strawberries on Valentine's Day is pretty incredible in a cold climate. And, and just because you're putting in lights doesn't mean you're going to get more production. Like it, it, it really is. You've got a, uh, 
a greenhouse with lights is like driving a Ferrari. You have you have to know how to how to drive it. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, I really appreciate it. Hopefully that answered a bunch of questions that people have. And if they have any other questions, they can email us at spillthegreens at moochiefarms.com. Thank you, guys. Thank Thank you. you. Spill the Greens, powered by Moochie Farms.